Kimmy? I'm here. What time is it? It's 7.26 a.m. Kimmy? I'm here. Call oh. Dr. Burns. I got her. What do you want from me? Kimmy? I'm here. Why don't you run from me? Call Darius. Hey, hotness! Wow. What are you wondering? What do you know? Kimmy? I'm here. Reopen last stream on desktop. I need more kitchen paper. Open yesterday's stream. stream interpreter i may have heard a crime on one of the streams the devices pick up lots of things just mark this degraded audio and delete it i am not capable and you know it i think a woman might need help how do i find out who she is you need a device number and the admin code will you make me one this is the last favor cutness close your files come to my office we'll listen to the recordings together Miss Childs, I have to know what we're dealing with. We're dealing with what sounds like a premeditated murder. How do I know that? Because I just told you. Twice now. Maybe you've just replaced your real stresses with this. Can we please call the FBI? I understand that you have taken some mental health leave in the past. Why is that in my file? You said you had her. They did. But now they don't. Kimmy, bedtime lights. Is he the only copy? I emailed it to everyone I know this morning. Kimmy! I'm here. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Ture. And Eric Wong. Tonight, we are discussing director Steven Soderbergh's latest movie, Kimmy, which premiered on HBO Max, what is it, two weeks ago? February 10th. It is his latest feature film starring Zoe Kravitz. Uh, I think we should just get right into it. Maybe talk a little bit about Steven Soderbergh, his filmography. Are you guys familiar with Soderbergh? Some of it, not all of it. I haven't seen very much of his stuff. I think I saw Traffic, The Oceans movies... Maybe Aaron Brockovich. I think the last movie I've seen from him was a decade ago. It was Haywire. So I haven't seen anything from him in a while. With Gina Carano. <laughs> yes. Yes. Good movie. Very good movie. I do like that movie. I really like Haywire. Yeah. So I think Steven Soderbergh is like one of my favorite filmmakers. And I don't really think about him that way until he has a new movie coming out. You know? And like I see it coming out. I'm like, oh shit. Steven Soderbergh's fucking great. But he's like very low key and he's like one of those directors you don't really think about too much. But pretty much everything he's done is fantastic. I don't think there's a single dud in his filmography. I don't know. I pretty much like everything he's done. Have you seen all his stuff? I've seen a lot of his stuff. I've obviously seen Sex Lies and Videotape from 1989. That stretch from the 90s, from like 91 and 96, I haven't seen like Kafka, King of the Hill. The Underneath, Scotsopolis, Grey's Anatomy. I haven't seen that, but obviously I've seen Out of Sight 
that Karen Sisko movie starring Jennifer Lopez, George Clooney, the Limey, Aaron Brockovich, Traffic. That's such a great run, by the way. Uh, the Oceans movies. He's one of the best, like, I want to say experimental filmmakers. And he's like one of the first filmmakers to like leap to digital. And he's always doing like weird little things with his movies, like the girlfriend experience. He casted uh, Sasha Gray, the porn star. Well, that's right. Yeah. Unsane from three years ago or four years ago now, 2018. That was shot completely on an iPhone. His TV show, Mosaic, which I'm pretty sure no one ever watched. Uh, it had like a little app that you could play a game along with it, where it's like kind of choose your own adventure type deal, um, which was really interesting. He's always doing cool stuff. He's got like big blockbusters, the Oceans movies, I'll mention again. Contagion, that was a good one too. Was it from like 18 or something? Contagion? Is that recent? 2011. It saw a big spike in popularity when the pandemic started. Although I don't know why people sought stuff like that out when just look at the window, so bro. closely mirrors our reality. What about you, Derek? So I probably somewhere in between you two. I, I think I've seen a couple more things than Amir has. The last couple of years, I was like big fan of Logan Lucky. Yeah, Logan Lucky was good. I really like side effects. I like side effects, good. yeah. I'm like a Magic Mike fan. I actually really yeah, like Magic, Magic Mike. Mike. good too. I do like Magic Mike. He didn't do the sequel. No, he didn't, but he did the he first didn't, one. yeah. But they're both good. I like both yeah. of them. But he is doing the third one, I think. That's, that's yeah. going to be happening. And I'm one of those that uh, watched Contagion. <laughs> I did too, though. <laughs> I did too. During the pandemic. I generally like his stuff. He's not the type of director where I hear like, oh, Soderbergh's doing this. And I'm like, I have to go watch it, right? Like, there's certain directors that I love the next thing that they're doing. And I'm always on board, whatever it is. Sadly to say, I guess Soderbergh just isn't that kind of director for me. But I, I genuinely like his stuff. I'm the opposite. I'll hear some movie and it's like, oh, this uh, porn star is playing this high-end call girl. It's like this new experimental movie. I'm like, all right, I'm not really interested in that. But then it's like, oh, Soderbergh is directing. All right, I'll go see it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Or like uh, Channing Tatum male stripper movie. I was like, uh, definitely not interested in that. But, you know, Soderbergh, Soderbergh is directing. Yeah. So uh, I want to go see that. And, you know, Kimmy, this new one is 100% like that, too. Because I had zero interest in seeing this before I knew that Soderbergh was attached. Like I said, with Contagion, I'm not super pumped on like lockdown pandemic movies it's just too close to reality also like i don't like tech gimmick movies i feel like that typically dates a movie like instantly anything with apps or like i don't know that horror movie countdown which had this app that counted on to when you died they're usually all pretty bad but i was super surprised by this i mean not really surprised because it was Soderbergh, but I was surprised by how much the pandemic and tech gimmick stuff didn't bother me in this movie. It's very, very well done. It really works, yeah. It might be the strongest part, actually. Yeah, it all works. The tech stuff works. And the pandemic thing is, like, very understated. It's a soft touch, yeah. I think it's really overtaken by her agoraphobia, which is, like taking over as the through line for the pandemic. I think she wears a mask in the movie when she goes out, when she can muster the courage to do so. But I think she's like the only one who actually wears the mask, right? I don't think anyone else in the movie actually wears one. But 
Yeah, I, I really, really like this. A really taut 89 minutes, one minute shy of 90 minutes. Yes, that might be my favorite thing about it. Easy watch. Nice, quick, easy watch. So, Jeff, I think we are <laughs> opposites in this regard. I think the tech stuff and the pandemic stuff really will date this movie. And when you typically say, like, you don't really like that stuff, I'm very much the same. And for me, that was like a hindrance that was really hard to get over watching this movie. A hill that I keep trying to climb up. I found a lot of things I did enjoy about this movie, but like overall, I think this is definitely not one of my favorite Soderbergh movies. Really interesting. I found it quite, this is really harsh to say, but like basic, right? Like there's no innovation with this kind of genre film. Um, you know, the woman stuck in her house. This is basically a rear window, right? Like, it, this genre has been beaten down. I mean, we have a satirical version of this now on Netflix, right? Starring, like, Kristen Bell. So, like, I think if you're going to do something like this, you almost have to add something to the language of this kind of genre. And, like, I just don't know if he pushed it far enough for me. I think the tech stuff is, like I said, dated. It's dated to the point where it's already kind of old. I mean, there's mentions of, like, Facebook in this. Like, come on, like, does anyone her age really use Facebook? (laughs) I mean, the idea of Kimmy is based off the Alexa, right? That's, like, technology we've been living with for years now. And if this movie maybe came out, like, a couple years ago when Alexa was, like, really fresh and new... Maybe it would have something to say about that. But like, I mean, all this information's been out there, right? Like there's a 2019 article in Times about this very profession, right? The one that listens to people's conversations and like helps the machine to learn, right? Even advancements in this technology have been made since then, right? Like machine learning is much more of a prevalent thing than like human assisted learning nowadays. I don't know. Like it really feels like he formulated this movie back then and like he hadn't pushed it. And it just feels really stuck in that time for me. And I I don't know. That was really hard for me to get over. I don't know. I feel like even though there's a lot of tech in this, a lot of it is very, I wouldn't say analog because it isn't, but like, it's very manual, right? The Kimmy system itself isn't algorithmic. It's, uh, It's human learning, like you said. And it's very like of a piece with those old school paranoid thrillers Obviously, you mentioned Rear Window, but, like, also, like, the conversation or blowout, you know? Very De Palma-esque, where she's doing, like, this grunt work to leaf through the noise to find the recording and and all that. And I found that very interesting. And I don't know, I think it does have interesting things to say about the tech, because... I think a lot of movies are like, oh, this technology is, it's destroying society or whatever. But I feel like there's stuff in between the lines of this movie where, you know, in the end, the technology is not the thing that's weighing us down. It's the corporations, right? It's the corporate malfeasance that everyone turns a blind eye to, especially during the pandemic where all these corporations are more worried about like the bottom line. Like the corporate self-interest is only becoming clearer during the pandemic. And I think there's something interesting about that. And and I, I think Zoe Kravitz's performance is fantastic in this. She's she's so, so good. I, I think she's one of the best actresses working these days. I don't know. I'm 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 excited to see the Batman. I'm definitely now more excited to see the Batman. <laughs> she's she's very good in this. Yeah. Yeah. There's some camera work in here that's just 
phenomenal. Uh, are we getting into spoilers already? Well, I mean, I feel like we should give a little synopsis of the Oh, movie. yeah, sorry, yeah, if you want to dive into that first. So, Zoe Kravitz, she plays uh, this character named Angela Childs, and she's this employee of this tech giant company, which is kind of like Google, Facebook type. Um, the company's called Amygdala, and they have this, I think they name drop Alexa and Siri, right? They do, yeah. And so, this new personal voice assistant named Kimmy, which differentiates itself with the human touch. So I think it's in addition to algorithms, the company uses like its employees to guide the system along its like learning curve, you know? So Angela, she's one of these operators who spends like her day listening to anonymous streams of voice recordings and helping Kimmy understand like the idiosyncrasies of language and stuff. So For instance, differentiating between the English paper towels versus the British English equivalent of what they call kitchen paper. And then something with a Taylor Swift song where the name of the song is like algorithmically unfriendly. So the whole crux of the movie is that Angela, she stumbles upon a really disturbing stream that possibly captures a murder and also might implicate amygdala in some sort of cover up. And the company then tries to (laughs) silence her. (laughs) So the company isn't trying to silence her, right? It's one guy within the company who's trying to silence her. Right. It's not very clear because there is a point where she goes and sees a specific person, right, that handles these issues. She's like, wait here. I'll be right back and we'll we'll figure this out. And she like disappears. And then, you know, those goons show up, right? So it's like, it's almost like I wasn't clear if like, there are members of the firm that know this is happening and, like, are helping the CEO. I agree. I think it's a little ambiguous, but I mm-hmm. think, I don't know, I lean towards the idea that that lady is just kind of doing CYA. So because of Angela's agoraphobia and her, like, anxiety and paranoia and all the stuff that's going on, um, she's not inclined to trust the company. And then... She's also been assaulted in the past, and when she went to the cops, I guess they basically put her on trial instead of the attacker. So she's just, like, disinclined to, I don't know, trust authority. And so mm-hmm. this person in the company who you're supposed to go to, if you think you hear a crime while you're going over these, uh, basically with these, uh, these Alexa audio feeds, that person says, oh, hey, can I hear this clip before we go to the FBI. And, you know, the Zoe Kravitz character is, like, not really comfortable with that. And so the lady leaves the room to go and call the FBI. And then in that interim period while she's gone, these goons show up to try and kill the protagonist. And so it's left unclear whether, you know, did she leave to leave them that opening? Or, you know, is is she just going and doing her job and this just happens? Yeah, it it seems like... The recording, which impl- implicates, like, the amygdala executive, I think his name is Brad Bradley. Yes. Uh, he's the one who's actually involved with the goons, right? Yes. I don't think anyone else is involved. I, I, I yeah. Mean- and Natalie, who's played by Rita Wilson, I think she more, like, corporate cover-up, turn-a-blind-eye type stuff, and she might not be directly involved. Like you said, it's all a little ambiguous, but I don't think the main point of the movie is that anyway, so... Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. What were, like, some of the things you guys uh, liked about the movie or didn't like about the movie? I guess, Derek, you were saying you 
or sort of unimpressed overall? What are some of the things you liked, Jeff? Maybe you'd like as a counterpoint. I think the screenplay is pretty sharp, written by David Kep. He's done a bunch of stuff. Uh-oh, the Mummy reboot. <laughs> and what else? Uh, he wrote uh, Panic Room, so I think that's his one big credit. The Steven Spielberg War of the Worlds, Zathura. Yeah, a bunch of, like, action-y type movies. I think this entire movie is, like, Chekhov's gun inventory type stuff, where, like, a lot of things they show focus on comes back into play later on in, like, the in the third act. Uh, very Home Alone-esque, which I fucking love. Oh, yeah, um, like the nail gun. Yeah. The nail gun, the creepy neighbor shows up again. Yeah. To defend myself. I mean, there are things I do like about this movie, right? Um, and I do agree that I think the script is pretty tight in, in that regard, that I, I do like that a lot of things we do see get paid off. Mm-hmm. You know, just her simple line about like, oh, my dad was in construction, right? So like, right. then you kind of understand like, oh, she might have an understanding how to use a nail gun. And like, I thought it was pretty clever how she taped it back, right? Because she understands mm-hmm. that like, you kind of have to um, keep it in that position so that it'll fire. So like a small thing like that, that I like, yeah, like the inclusion of the neighbor. We're seeing this guy who's also like just people watching this whole movie and like he comes into play at the end of the movie in a much bigger way than even the the other side character that's set up, right? The love interest, Terry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I really liked. Even the idea like early in the movie, right? Like her hesitancy of wanting to leave the house to go on this little like breakfast date right at the mm-hmm. at the food truck right across the street you know like and then the movie ending with that right so like yeah i i do like that the script is is pretty tight in that regard yeah i mean the story itself is nothing crazy to write home about it's fairly predictable right but yeah. i think the way that soderbergh goes about it to like film it and the camera work in it is just so masterful. Just the way that he films Angela in the apartment. And, like, some of the sound design is fantastic, too. Like, when she plugs into the amygdala system, like, it's just silence. It's like this vacuum of noise that you just don't hear anything, which is great. And Angela has, like, this energy about her. I think the camera work just really captures that really well within her giant apartment right so i think when she leaves the apartment is when i really thought um he started really going off with like the shots yeah. where, where he was placing her in the frame she's always like in the corner like with her head down like it, the sound as she like you can feel the agoraphobia you can feel how uncomfortable she is being outside it's really really good that bit where she leaves the apartment to go to amygdala to talk to this lady um, is really is really awesome. Um, so there's this one scene where the camera's focused on the thugs, and they're coming out of a building, and it's following the thugs, and then it does this zoom out while they're moving, and Angela's in the foreground in the bushes moving along. That's such like a well planned shot. Like that. Uh, do you guys remember that? Yeah, yeah. As she's leaving yeah. the building. Right, 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 right. Absolutely, remember exactly what you're what you're talking about. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's very good. That whole chase sequence is really tense and really, really well done. I yeah. thought that part really worked for me. I really liked the agoraphobia stuff in the in the beginning, too. Mm-hmm. It does take a little while to get up to speed. A couple of people said that she's, like, really unlikable as a yes, character. Yes, which I like. She is unlikable. She's kind of annoying. But, like, 
There's something uh, charming I, about it, though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it makes her feel a little more like a real person, right? Like yeah, that, exactly. that she's like kind of an, an annoying person, but like annoying because she's frustrated about things in her life that are frustrated, right? Like yeah. she's frustrated with her mom for giving her the same advice she always gives her. She's frustrated with her boyfriend because he's pushing her boundaries and, and, and like, suggesting that she leave the house. Uh, she's annoyed with her fucking, like, techie friend because, like, I don't know, he keeps, like, objectifying or whatever. Like, she's annoyed about things that are, like, annoying. But then she herself is also, like, weird and annoying and off-putting, right? Like, she demands yeah. a lot from this guy in, I don't know where he is, but, like, another, I guess he works for the company as well, but he, like, helps her with the, I don't know, getting into the information from the the Kimmy product. Mm-hmm. And like, she asks a lot for him and never really gives him anything in return. She's like kind of brusque with the boyfriend and is like an exhausting person to be around. And he's just <laughs> yeah. super fed up. And like, it's really, I don't know. I, re- I actually really liked that about it. I, I, mm-hmm. I wanted to comment on her unlikability and it's not like she's unlikable. You don't sympathize with her or she's not a great heroine or whatever, but she's definitely like, she, it makes her feel like more like a three dimensional person. Right. Yeah. The fact that she is annoying and is also annoyed by things. It's like not just like this bland, you know, unperturbed pond of serenity. Like, no, she's like a human being. And Zoe Kravitz plays her so well, too. There's this one thing that they do with this. What, what is it? It's like a. Is it? Uh, I think it's like a kombucha or something. Or like a tea it's kombucha. Function. It's yeah, kombucha. Yeah, yeah. 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 And you like totally forget about it. That was great. Um, that's such a great, like, another Chekhov's gun, right? Where it's like precariously placed on the counter. And then when she dives into the audio, where everything's silent, it, it just teeters off the edge and gives you like this little jump scare moment, which is great. I mean, some people can think it's cheap, but I, I thought it was very well crafted. And, and I totally forgot about it, even though like I totally noticed it in the moment. But later on, when they make use of it, it it's very well done. No, I totally agree. I mean, I remember that thing sitting there. Like He, he makes it pretty obvious that it's a very precarious position. It's uh-huh. on the edge of the counter. It's going to fall down. And he waits long enough where you've forgotten about it. And in that moment, that's when he like brings it back and you're just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that bottle that she just placed weirdly on the edge of the counter. <laughs> Excellent scene I completely forgot about, which is really great, is when she's like in the protest running from those thugs and all those people in the protest like save her from being dragged into the car. Yeah. That's insane. Cool shots there. Um, and just like a really tense scene. I thought the whole thing with the thug, like as soon as they enter the picture, the film really heats up. Mm-hmm. And from a like, I guess a thriller perspective, and it's really great all the way up through the end. Uh, I don't really love the nail gun thing, but it's like you know what you had to wrap it <laughs> up. But when you were getting towards the end of your ninety minutes, and you had to you had to kind of wrap it up, it felt a little like. Eh, but you know what? It's fine. It was fine. Yeah, really. That's the part I actually kind of liked. I like that it didn't take this route of like, let's try to you know egg them on like and get them in separate rooms so she can like kill them. It was like she got the gun. She did the deed, and it was super quick. I don't know. I, I actually really appreciated that about this movie. Uh, and a great needle drop with uh, Beastie Boys' Sabotage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Uh, maybe only second to Star Trek Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> or is that Star Trek Beyond, or was that... It's Beyond, yeah. It's it Beyond. is Beyond, right? Yeah. One thing that didn't work for me with that last scene is, is where she turns off the lights. Where she's like, Kimmy, do this. Kimmy, do that. Kimmy, yeah, do this. Yeah, but the thing that didn't work for me is just like, she's turned off the lights, but it's still... Like, the film is so well lit that you can still really see what's going uh, on. So it's a little bit difficult for me to put myself in yeah. the position of these thugs who are, like, really, like, feeling on the ground for, like, the knife and for, like, the little USB stick. But you can and, like, see everything clearly. But you can see everything yeah. so clearly. So I'm like, this is a little bit it, – it just, like, it felt a little bit off to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, what actually felt off about that for me was 
I mean, I kind of alluded to it, like her ability to get off like three commands without like them trying to stop her at all. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy's s- sitting right in front. They're just sitting there and like just waiting for her to like yes, say that it. turn off yeah. the lights, turn on the music, do this. Is like, geez, guys, are you guys supposed to be like trained assassins? Pick, pick or it up something? a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I thought that's where you're going, but no, I totally no, agree yeah. too. I mean, but that's just kind of like I think that's a more of a a, a benefit for us as the viewer, right? Like mm-hmm. you know, you kind of imagine no, maybe for sure. yeah. yeah, them in that situation. It's darker, but for us, you know, it still has to be well lit, so we know what's going on. Exactly. Yeah, I get it. That was the one time when things didn't fully line up for me. Mm-hmm. What do you think for a relationship with like the boyfriend? I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought it was cute. It's something that could happen, right? They were probably neighbors that eye each other over the pandemic and you know started a, a text relationship, right? Like it's totally believable. I didn't realize at first they'd known each other before the movie starts because the way she's talking to her mom about it is like oh like but really the the, the important information there was that she was unable to make it to the breakfast thing not the guy the guy's like a known yeah, quant- yeah, yeah. a known quantity i didn't realize that until they start arguing about her agoraphobia i thought this was like a new relationship but like they've seen each other a couple times at least it seems yeah because right? they're pretty comfortable around each other and he knows about her issues and stuff <laughs> and at like one point he's just like you know what i just can't deal with you right now. He just fucking leaves, you know? Yeah, he's, he's just like, ugh, exhausting. <laughs> he just yeah. bounces. So, Gravis is really attractive. And so, like, it's interesting that, like, they make her this sort of slightly unlikable person. Yeah. The the boyfriend actually kind of reminds me of the boyfriend from um, Last Night in Soho. Do you remember how we, we talked about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah He has yeah. that incident where he, like, basically like, gets attacked by her oh, and, like, has yeah, to step yeah, yeah, all yeah. over glass. But yet, he's still back the next day, like, the perfect boyfriend. Yeah, like, this, this guy this, didn't have anything like that, though. I yeah, feel like yeah, he kind of did. He showed up after all of it was over. I was like, oh, wow, you saved yourself? Good job. But like, he didn't yeah. help. <laughs> no, no, yeah. but he you know, he didn't help, but he was like the, the caring guy that came back at the end of it, right? He wasn't like turned off by yeah, her. He didn't like abandon her or whatever. Yeah, he didn't oh, abandon yeah. her, yeah. He yeah, wasn't as um, much of a simp as the other guy in last episode. <laughs> yeah, so. The other guy was, yeah. The other guy had issues. You know who kind of got screwed here was Kevin, the other agoraphobic guy. Yeah. Because he like realized something was wrong with her because she was out and about and he knows that she's always in her apartment. Because he's also like an agoraphobic creeper. And so like <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who that guy is? No, who is that? He looks really familiar. He played Buzz McAllister in Home Alone. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. oh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Think about this what this guy does. Like he, this is somebody he doesn't know. And he's just like, oh, let me see if I can help her. Obviously something's wrong. And like yeah. leaves his house as an agoraphobic, as someone who also doesn't normally leave the house, right? So, like, I really liked that. I thought that was cool. I think that was a nice character piece about her. Because at first I was like, where is this, like, tooth thing going? You know, she has, like, tooth pains at the beginning of the Mm -hmm. movie. And then she has this session with her dentist, right? And, like, she just refuses to leave. Like, he basically says, you need to do something about this or else it can get infected. It can, like, go back to your brain and, like, affect your brain. Like, it's like her own well-being isn't enough to escape this situations that she's in it's the fact that she needs to go and like help somebody else Mm. that's what forces her to leave her apartment and it's it's kind of the same for her neighbor kevin right like he understands that she might need my help so i need to go out there and help her so i Mm. I really did enjoy that kind of characterization um about you know these people like stuck in their homes yeah one thing i don't quite like this movie does it but like i know a lot of movies do it and it's kind of this tired trope for me but like this idea that trauma heals trauma right like this idea that she's been through this traumatic event she can't leave her house but then 
she's completely healed by the end of this movie because she's beat these assassins that are trying to kill her. I don't know if it really works like that. That's a fair criticism, I guess. It's fair, but I don't know. It's a movie. I mean, it's a movie, and it's, like I said, I feel like it's a tired trope like we see in a lot of movies. So this is not like, this is the only movie that does it. Before. Right, but it's, again, another thing that doesn't, like, stand out for you. It's not like, oh, they did it different or better. It's like, oh, they're just doing yeah. the same thing. I got you. Mm-hmm. But overall, I, th- I think I like the ending maybe a little bit more than Amir. <laughs> no, I um, just like I just had my criticism of it, but it's, it was fine. Like, I, I enjoyed the movie. It was fine. It was fun. I'll agree with you, though. It's a bit slight. Like, I'm not, like, running out to recommend this to anybody, right? Yeah. It's fine. Like, even if you liked other Soderbergh, I don't know if I'd be like, oh, like, if you liked Oceans, you're not necessarily going to like this. Or, like, if you like any yeah. of the stuff he's done, like Magic Mind, like, none, and, and maybe that's a strength of him as a filmmaker that none of his kids really like. Like, I can't even say, oh, if you like Haywire, you'd like this, because those are also two kind of completely different films. Like, has he done something else like this, Jeff? Yeah, he's done a bunch of stuff. So, he's had two back-to-back where he did No Sudden Move, which... Was kind of like this. It's like this very by the numbers crime thriller, uh, stacked ass cast with Don Cheadle, Benicio del Toro, John Hamm, Brendan Fraser. It's like this twisty kind of crime thriller. Like this movie doesn't really reinvent the wheel, but it's very competently done. Um, so inventive camera work, you know, no sudden move. It had like a bunch of fisheye lenses that he used predominantly. And then. A couple of movies before this was Unsane, which was primarily shot on an iPhone, starring uh, Claire Foy. But that was pretty much like a another psychological thriller too, and not exactly like unpredictable. You know, yeah, slight movie, ninety eight minutes long. I think he does a lot of these little genre exercises where you know he's just trying to flex his muscles a little bit without trying to like revitalize whatever he's trying to do, you know? Sorry, I, I wanted to ask earlier, but I, I guess I didn't get to... Do you guys have a favorite Soderbergh movie? Maybe Out of Sight. Out of Sight is so good. Mm. I'm just very partial to Ocean's Eleven. I love, love Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, Ocean's Eleven is so good. Yeah, that or Traffic, maybe? Traffic's good, too. I do you like Traffic? Bringing back Erica Christensen in this movie. She plays the victim on the tape. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where she plays the, the daughter and... And traffic. Even Oceans 12 and 13 are good. I think people shit on them a lot, but they're really fun. It's so interesting. I feel like there's this demographic of people that you either like one or the other, right? Like, everyone loves 11, but uh-huh. I personally, like, I'm not the biggest fan of 12, but I, like, love 13. But then there's, like, people that love 12 and, like, just, like, hate 13. <laughs> like, yeah. huh. To me, like, 12 is so different than, like, 11 and 13. Mm-hmm. It's like a heist movie without really being like what Eleven was, right? Like he he really tried to shift away from what Eleven was so mm-hmm. hard, and like Thirteen kind of came back to that. And I I think that's why I like Eleven and Thirteen a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Not to say that you know Twelve is bad. Uh, I have a soft spot for Thirteen though, just because of like how petty the whole movie is. <laughs> They're just trying to fuck over uh, Al Pacino. Pacino that, yeah, right? mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just very very funny. And yeah, they had a. Uh... David Paymer as, like, the inspector guy who gets, like, the shaft the entire movie because, like, they're trying to make this hotel lose, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm, what is it, like, mm -hmm. the Five Diamond Award or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's getting screwed over at every turn. But then he gets the money at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brad Pitt leaves, like, the the coin on the rigged slot machine and Mm -hmm. he gets a payout. Um, Yeah. I have a soft spot for that movie. I I do. Yeah, I do, too. I I do really like that, too. 
But, but I, I, I definitely agree with you, Amir. Like, now that you said it, like, I never really thought about it, but now that you say it, like, I, I definitely agree. Like, I feel like a lot of his movies are very much different tones, different, like, subject matter. Like, it all doesn't feel the same. I, I definitely do think that is a strength. A lot of times, you know, you could tell, like, a, when you think about, like, oh, Christopher Nolan's next movie, you, you know, you can already kind of picture it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's probably going to be something like that. Versus, you know, what's the next Soderbergh movie? You don't really know. Yeah. And I think that's his strength, yeah. Although, although as Jeff said, he does have this predilection for these kind of thriller type, that kind of genre. So he has done stuff like this before, yeah. I guess. Are you running out and recommending this movie? What do you guys think? Because I've already said, I don't know if I'm... Like, I'm fine, but I'm not like... I don't know. If someone's like, oh, should I watch Kimmy? I wouldn't say no. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I saw it and liked it, but I'm not going to... Yeah, I'm not out there running, but like, oh my God, you guys, you need to see Kimmy. It's right? not like, yeah. I don't know, like Pig yeah. or something from last year where I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'll watch this again with you so that we can see it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, It's just a competently done... Yeah, it's just a fun yes. movie. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I gave it a B plus. I just had a blast watching it. It's yeah. fine, yeah. I'm not thinking too much about it afterwards. Um, really impressed by the technicals of this. It, it looks great. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is fantastic. I mean, what else? What else do you want? Yeah, and I think like it being on HBO Max was kind of the perfect vehicle for it. Like, yeah. I don't know if like if it, this went to theaters, as many eyes would have been on this, right? Like, if, as many people would have seen this movie. Yeah. Speaking of HBO Max, I feel like HBO Max is killing it. Where like Netflix is just, I don't know, kind of screwing the pooch. You know? Yeah. How so? I mean, what do you think is yeah? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like HBO's doing like you know like the the weekly release for its TV stuff. I know we're talking about a movie, but like everyone's talking about Peacemaker. Everyone's talking about the new awful Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. There are people talking about Kimmy. What else is on HBO Max? There's a bunch of stuff on HBO Max that people are talking about. Yeah, like shows like Succession or Euphoria. Succession, yeah, Euphoria, Euphoria, yeah, Euphoria. Like, yeah. Euphoria is everywhere. everywhere. It really is. I don't even watch the show. It's everywhere. I'm getting a little annoyed. <laughs> just because of how many people are fucking talking about are it. Are you watching like, it? Or is it I'm like not. FOMO? So I'm like, I don't know what the fuck anyone's talking about. But then like Netflix, you know, like a whole season of Ozark came out. Nobody really, yeah. And then that new zombie show, All of Us, all are, of us dead. are Dead. Yes. Those all came out just a week or two ago, and no one's talking about it at all. You you need that weekly release schedule. I, yeah, I'm convinced. Yeah. I agree with you. I it, I think it you, helps that longevity. I think you I, I really, really need it so. because then somebody's talking about it every week. Yeah. Whereas yeah, it just it drops and like if that's a weekend when something else is happening, like I don't know the Super Bowl or like whatever, somebody's busy. Like who the who the hell knows what's going on in people's lives, right? Yeah. But like if you if it's if it's coming out week by week, you give people a chance to catch up. Oh yeah, I missed the start of this as opposed to like oh yeah, it all dropped. Yeah, I'll catch it later. Like, before you know it, it's gone off of Netflix or whatever. Like, who yeah. knows? You know? But yeah, this is just a fun little movie that I, I really, really enjoyed. Kind of whet your appetite for the Batman coming out soon. So. <laughs> I am definitely excited for that. <laughs> I was supposed to see it tonight, but my screening got canceled. Oh, no. They changed it to like 9 a.m. instead of 6 p.m. So I was like, I can't go to fucking a 9 a.m. screening. I have work. I'm going Thursday instead. But uh, the embargo's up on the 28th, so... People are going to review it then. And then it comes out the 4th? March 4th? The 4th, yeah. yeah. That makes right, sense. Nice. That's when me and Amir can go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if there is nothing else that you guys wanted to bring up, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, where 
I wrote a review of Kimmy, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? You can find me leaving my apartment to go to the food truck. How about you, Derek? <laughs> you can find me at World's OK's Photos and Screen Ninjas Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, and if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on Steven Soderbergh's Kimmy or his filmography, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting emails. We read them out on the pod sometimes, so feel free to shoot us that email. And with that, we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.